Hello and welcome to Among Other Things. I'm Trent Ashcraft. This week I sat down with my friend Ellie Puckett to talk about the business world, the nature of work, and health insurance, among other things. Ellie is a business consultant, a business owner, and her fingerprints are literally in space. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. And hey, before we get started, please do us a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a positive review. All that sort of stuff really helps us out and helps other people discover the show. Thank you for your support. And now, here's my conversation with Ellie. On this podcast, I like to talk to people who know about stuff that I don't know anything about. And something I don't know anything about is business. I mean, let's look at this podcast is not a business. I don't make any money doing this yet unless people begin smashing that subscribe. Um, so uh, someone I wanted to talk to today who is smarter than me that knows more about me when it comes to the world of business and startups and all that fun stuff is my friend, Ellie Puckett. Hello, Ellie. Hi, how are you? Oh, I, I could not be better. Both of us were... I was waiting to send you a Zoom link because I was trying to get one of my children to bed. You said you were trying to get your son to bed. So now yes. it's 8, 8.41 at night and we finally found <laughs> some time. And he's not screaming anymore. So we're, we're, in, we're headed in the right direction. There you go. <laughs> well, if you, if you hear anything in the background, a child screaming, don't be, don't be alarmed. So Ellie, um, why don't you tell us what exactly is it you do? I've been trying to figure that out for a while, and apparently I don't really understand it. So what is it that you do? Yeah, so I have spent my entire career working in or um, developing the technology startup community. So I've been either in a tech startup, um, I started my career in a space tech company. We built microgravity research platforms and raised angel and venture capital uh, I transitioned into being in from being in a company to helping startup companies, um, running an accelerator, uh, and being more on the economic development side of how small businesses and startups can impact our economy. And then, um, re most recently, I have taken uh, a year or two in business consulting. Um, and have been really hands-on helping lots and lots of small businesses and startup companies. Um, and I'm headed back into a software tech company here next week. So now did you say you work with a space, a space startup? Is that my very first company was called space tango. Uh, we built a platform, a physical platform that was installed on the International Space Station. And um, we put uh, businesses and universities and, you know, educational groups experiments on the International Space Station. And our platform could monitor and run those experiments from Earth. So... It was a hardware-enabled SaaS company. So SaaS is software as a service. Do you work for Jeff Bezos? <laughs> no, it was called Space Tango. It was in Lexington, okay. Kentucky. <laughs> uh, and, and it was the neatest, coolest job to have right out of school. I, yeah. was, I was there the day that the idea 
be, went from an idea to a business and there was just three of us uh, and I was ahead, ahead of the business operations side and there was an engineer and then there was kind of like our, our um, idea originator and chairman. <laughs> so, Wow. So three people were sitting around, they looked up at the scars and they said, hey, we ought to put a platform up there. And a few, <laughs> Not exactly. And a, and a few months later, it's up there. <laughs> There's more to that story, okay. but yes, the the um, there has been a, a nonprofit program in Kentucky for a while called Kentucky Space, and the engineer and our chairman had both been a part of started and been a part of Kentucky Space, which had a Space Act agreement allowing for this access to the International Space Station. Okay, and it is from that that the uh, this business need was actually brought to. Uh, the founders of Space Tango. And I joined the team as a biz ops person at 22 years old. <laughs> wow. So how does, so this is why, this is why I'm so confused. I don't know anything about, <laughs> I, to, me, to me, the idea of starting a business of, of a startup of a small business is like the most intimidating thing that I could possibly imagine that, that, that a person would say, Hey, here's this thing that I think I could do, or I think there's a market for or whatever. And then they just, they get the ball rolling and they do it. Are you the kind of person in your roles that would help them help that person get in touch with the people that they need to get in touch to, with to, to make their dream a reality? There are tons and tons of free resources in almost, in most cities. Uh, some of them are federally supported. Some of them are state supported. In my role, I was state supported literally to help people with ideas, figure out how to start those businesses. So after Space Tango, that's what I did. I helped people with ideas, figure out how to go from idea to reality. Um, and there are lots of resources that I recommend. Um, one being a something called a business model canvas that helps people figure out what their value proposition is and um, who their target customers are, what expenses they're going to have, what revenue streams they might have, and it kind of quickly, succinctly maps it out without it having to be a whole business plan. Um, and then what you want to do when you are starting a company or starting a business, no matter what kind of business that it is, is take those assumptions, those value propositions, and go to your assumed customer and ask them for feedback. And so that is called the customer, the um, customer discovery process is I have this idea for this app for this business. And I believe, uh, you know, people with millennials with children that are under 10 are my target customer. You should take that idea and go ask people with children under 10 years old, whether or not they have the problems that you think that they have. It's a very hard thing to explain without my visuals, but uh, the idea is you have an idea, go ask your customer if it's a good idea. <laughs> so um, 
and and ask those questions in a way that doesn't necessarily lead lead them into just validating it for you but understanding that the problems that you think are problems are problems that they're willing to pay something to solve sure um and so yeah there there's the small business development center there in louisville there's a thing called amplify that helps technology-based startups get going um and across the entire state of kentucky and i know in ohio and in tennessee um, actually in the majority of the surrounding states around us, I've connected to the exact same type of professional that I was. So the majority of states have people that will help you take your idea from idea to reality. You mentioned, obviously for a lot of people, depending on, and I would imagine within the tech startup world, but, but probably with a lot of businesses, there's a lot of initial startup costs uh, that to get it off the ground. You mentioned venture capitalists, yes. angel investors. Who, yes. are these, who are these people? Who are these angels? How does one get in touch with them? Okay. So um, most people think uh, I have an idea. I need money. Let's go talk to these people that have apparently give out money for free, right? Shark um, th That isn't exactly how the process goes. Um, you do need to have a really solid business model and value preposition with customers then shows that at some point you will make the kind of money that will get them 10x back on their investment on, mm -hmm. in you. Um, and that needs to happen within the next, I don't know, plausibly needs to happen within the next three to seven years. And if you don't fit that, then you are not investable. Um, and so they, they are not in it for, while there are more and more groups that are popping up that are in it for goodwill, they are really in it to get their money back plus some. Um, and so you have to have your stuff together but an angel investor is an individual person um, they have had to meet a certain requirement uh, of wealth and they can invest into um, startup companies um, and there are groups of these people that startups go and pitch to much like mini shark tanks Whereas venture capital is a different thing. These are funds of large portions of money that are managed by fund managers and the investment from these venture funds are big checks. So an angel could write you a $10,000 check to $5 million, whereas venture capital kind of comes in post $5 million checks. And then they would be writing 5, 10, 15, 20. $200 million rounds. Um, so there's a, there's a big vast thing here. And the harsh reality is it's not available to most ideas and most small businesses um, because they don't necessarily have the kind of scale that an investor is looking for. And so that's why it's mostly exclusively for scalable technology solutions. So um, you're, what you're saying is a 36-year-old guy recording 
a, a poorly recorded podcast in his basement, probably not going to go get venture capitalists to, to jump on board. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, well, but, but there, the, see, there goes my business. That plan. doesn't mean that you don't have a strong small business. So <laughs> yeah. podcasting yeah. can be a strong small business. You have an audience, you have something that people want or you're solving Obviously. a problem or a need. Yeah. And, and there are ways to monetize it. That could be something like Patreon or it could be something like uh, ads and sponsors of podcasts. So that doesn't mean that that's not a viable small business. There, you heard it, people. I need more people to smash that subscribe and then to the moon, you know? We'll be putting, we'll be putting platforms on the space station soon. So I, <laughs> I saw today, I was watching something, and the, 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 um, the gist of the, the, art, the article was, I was reading it, I wasn't watching it, was that, um, you know, over the pandemic, like everybody left the workforce. But as it pointed out, that's not entirely true that there are now uh, more, uh, there are more startups, more people, I guess, filing the paperwork to, to create their businesses today for small businesses than there were the month prior to everything going haywire. And so it seems like a lot of people um, are moving in that direction that rather than going back into the office rather than doing something uh, like a lot of people did before, there seems to be a greater interest in uh, starting something on your own, striking out on your own and, and, and maybe taking a, a chance. As I mentioned before, that seems incredibly intimidating to me that, that, that people would say, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't like working this nine to five anymore. I don't like working in the office. So instead I'm going to start something brand new. Um, so I guess I have two questions. Number one, uh, do you think now is a good time in your experience to, is, is the business climate good for, for new startups? And then number two, uh, on the same kind of related is what do these people have that I don't have? Are people who are entrepreneurs, are they cut from a different cloth? I guess that they are more, they're maybe less risk averse. They're more willing to, to step out and, and, and take an opportunity or do they come in all shapes and sizes? I know that's two two very different questions <laughs> that I just asked you. Today. Yeah, we'll take the 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 first one first, and part of so people filing more businesses to go at it, it could be a couple of different things, and I don't have a lot of data to support what I'm about to say, but a lot of people can leave their job and do their same job as a contract employee and want that LLC to protect them. And so they're just doing the same thing over. It's not taking tons of startup costs. It's not, it's not necessarily changing their entire, it's not going from being a, um, 
you know, a teacher to being a, um, someone who opens a bakery. It's not like a major job transition necessarily. Um, for me, I have left a job to become an independent consultant when essentially I was already being paid to be a consultant for the flexibility, for the freedom, for the not, you know, terrible boss. Like there's lots of reasons for that. There are big barriers to it um, for some people um, and for a lot of people, but if I have also seen more people take that leap uh, when connected to a person who has a stable, steady income. Um, in this past year and take the leap of being a 1099er because it gave them the flexibility that they needed to take care of their children um, uh, when daycares continue to close down every other week. Um, and, and employees have a little bit more negotiating power. They can go 1099. They, people need their work. And so they can say, I'm happy to do that work for you, but I'm not going to be an employee. I'm going to work from home and I'm going to um, not get rid of my flexibility. And so they might be starting those LLCs that allow them to do basically what they've already been doing, but from a consulting 1099 perspective. So it's not necessarily that they're way more risky than you are. They've just realized that they can, they can do this. Then there are people who are actually going and starting businesses. And do I think that this is a better time than any time to go start businesses? I think it's, you know, um, there has been an increase over the past two years in the amount of venture capital deployed and angel capital deployed. So that would point towards yes, in some cases for businesses, but there was a decrease in the amount of venture capital that went to female business owners, which was already at 2.2% of a hundred. It is, it isn't like it, it got more diverse. Um, in any way, shape, or form. It's just more got deployed. Um, and, and that might be a little inflated because people's businesses got PPP money, so they were ended up with extra cash when, you know, they didn't necessarily need it. I mean, th there's lots of theories as to why this might be, why there was ability to invest more um, over the past year or two. But there's been no, there's been no decrease and investment into companies, which might lean people to believe that this is a good time to start. Um, I don't necessarily think it's been worse or better, but people's desire for flexibility is a lot greater now. Um, and people's desire to not have, to, to, to keep that individual freedom that we gained from being at home or that they don't wanna lose by being forced to be vaccinated or whatever it is their reason, um people are exercising that right at the moment yeah i i think that um locking yourself away for the better part of a year made people re-examine a lot of aspects <laughs> of their life um especially you know if you had to be locked in your house with children uh, as i <laughs> did for a while and my wife certainly did uh she works from home and then my son had to start kindergarten on zoom uh, last year. And even when the schools opened, he was only going two days a week, but like for, for us going back into an office for her really was not an option, but the, the flexibility, particularly what is it, as it relates to childcare, I think is 
something that more and more people are going to insist upon and can probably are in a stronger position than ever before to be able to say, this is something important to me, um, which I would think, you know, I'm for the people who are, you know, starting a, a, a business and might want to eventually attract employees. That's the sort of thing they're probably going to have to offer them. I would think that would make them a more attractive place to work is the ability to say, you can work from home. We can work with you flexible. We have, you can have a flexible schedule, those sort of things, because I don't know that work is going to look the same after all of this is over as it did before all of this, before all of this began. Yeah, I would agree that I don't think it'll look the same and that employees are going to demand that level of flexibility and that employers should be open to it and understand that it's going to be an ebb and flow. Like, I don't think that we will, everyone will always want to work from home forever, but we need to offer a significant amount of more flexibility than what we offer right now. And we need to treat our employees differently um, than we have been um, and provide things that, that up until this point, employees just didn't have much of a say or ability to, to feel like they were in control. Um, and I think some households realized that they could live on one income or that they, that, that it wasn't the end of the world that they need to income still, but that they can be more patient in taking the kind of job that provides them the things that they want and need. Um, my word to younger professionals that is coming from someone who is not a, um, a boomer, is not a boomer, um, but would be like wise counsel is one concern I have with things staying 100% remote. I believe in a lot more flexibility um, and a lot more ability to choose what days you're in the office and when you're not. But my one concern for young professionals is they would need to be more aggressive in seeking mentorship and that naturally extroverted people will be promoted even at a higher rate. And that's not necessarily good for all of humanity. Um, there are lots, we extroverts like myself need people who think slower and more process oriented. Um, and in a world where the people who are extroverted decide to show up in person and the introverts decide to stay at home, I don't want the introvert to be overlooked for a job that they're more qualified for. Um, and so I'm just like, it's one concern that I have. Um, in the modern work dynamic that will need to be solved for, that there are qualified people who need to be promoted, who have value, that need to not be lost in a digital workforce. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't provide them flexibility and, and freedom to work from home. It's just a problem that business owners need to solve for. Yeah, I, I could never, I, I had to work from home like everybody else did for a while at the beginning of all this. I could never do it long-term. I, I don't think I'm an extrovert. I'm, I think I'm an introvert, but I think, you know, just from a, per, from a personality standpoint, there's something, some people crave the 
the community of the office, the community of the teacher's lounge, whatever that is. Um, and others, you know, others are perfectly content to, to Zoom and work, <laughs> work on their own and, and go into the office when they need to. But I, I think certainly, um, I, I think certainly, I think it might be unrecognizable to, uh, to those boomers <laughs> who, who spent so many years in a cubicle or whatever to see um, what, what a professional young millennial, what their work, work life balance looks like. I think what, one of the things that makes me strange as a millennial, I'm 36. Um, I, I've had the same job for 12, 13, 13 years now. And I know that that's that. Um, and, and my wife has worked at the same job for probably more than 10. And, and I think we're, we must be old souls because we got into it and we're like, well, we're content. <laughs> we're content here. But that seems to be very, that's not a normal thing for people uh, our age to stay in one position and with one company and not really go anywhere. Or am I reading? Am I, am I strange? Am I weird? Or is everybody else weird? So I would say that it is not as normal or it is not, uh, it's not about being normal or weird. It isn't, it isn't as prevalent as it used to be. I mean, our parents' generation did that all the time. And my parents do not understand the number of times that I have changed jobs. And it doesn't matter that every time I've changed jobs, I've increased my salary by multiple five figures. It's like, why do you keep switching jobs, Ellie? And it, um, it, the inconsistency bothers them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and frankly, it bothers me some too. And some of it has been more circumstantial to uh, the way that government funding has flown in and out of some of the jobs that I've had. Um, so it's been totally happenstance or the fact that I worked for a startup that uh, the investor pulled out and we closed overnight. Like I have had that like quintessential startup experience of like, Oh, we blew up in one night we blew up. Um, but this the, wasn't the thing on the, on the international space station. It no, no, up. that one's still alive. It's, it's still doing it's good. still up there. Yeah. Yeah. There's multiple platforms. Okay. Now. Just want to make sure yeah. that the space station didn't blow up, that that's not, what no, it's doing about. great. No, uh, <laughs> this was the healthcare startup, but, um, the, the reality is that work looks a lot different for our generation and it's going to look even more different for the, the people entering the workforce. I don't remember what their generation is, but it's not millennials anymore. Um, and so they're, they're Gen Z. Yeah. And it's just going to look, uh, digital natives is what we call them in the, in the startup oh. digital natives, because we, we actually aren't digital natives because we remember a world before we remember going to computer labs. We did not have smartphones in high school. We did like those things didn't exist. Um, and so I think that it's just going to look very, very different, but companies also big companies haven't been necessarily as loyal to their employees or their way that they hire and promote within as they used to be. So our generation 
has had to make those moves in those transitions. And it's been common advice um, to women in my leadership groups that um, they should either be promoted or change jobs every three to five years. Um, if they're not being promoted within, then it's time to move because somewhere else you'll move up. Um, and so, you know, that is a, a lot shorter than what you and your wife have done. But I think it's also a, it is a personality um, and a contentness. And so whether you're trying to climb that corporate ladder or, or you are, you really are very content with, with where you're at and where you're headed. And I think that that in a lot of ways, someone who is not a naturally content person is jealous of your contentness. <laughs> what you were saying about, you know, your mom thinking, why would you, why would you change and all that sort of stuff? Even if everything makes sense. Like when I hear that, it makes me nervous. <laughs> you know, my, my brother has probably had in the time that I've worked at one real career job, I bet he's had 10, 10. And I think, Oh my, I always joke that his part-time job is looking for a new job. And, and that's just, you know, maybe, maybe I could learn something from that. But I think again, it's a, it's a personality type that, that, you know, some people are cut out for it and some aren't. I have one more question for you. This is the big one. Okay. If you could tomorrow, uh, uh, you got a call from the man with all the power. I don't know what he is, but he's the businessman with all the power in the country. And, uh, and they said, what is one thing we could change as a society uh, maybe even coming out of this into this new normal we're moving into, what is one thing we could change that would make life better for the business community, for employees, for the economy? If you could change one thing or implement one thing, what would it be? Yeah. So people what my answer is controversial and I, because it gets political, mm. but it, but the reality is that I don't have it. I'm not saying it for a political reason. It has been my very personal experience with being a small business owner, watching, helping other people become small business owners. And it is the barrier is health insurance. It is um, the fact that we do not have um, a, you know, a, a universal health insurance pr program and plan that is truly affordable keeps people who would make excellent small business owners who would help innovate and develop our economy. It keeps them in corporations because they need the benefits and um, those kinds of responsible people are the ones we need running our next companies and our next businesses. And the fact that like, I know that I have taken jobs and I have not left jobs or whatever, because I, we have to provide health insurance for me, myself, myself, my husband and my child. Um, and there's this constant fear of like, what happens if, you know, I get pregnant without health insurance? Um, what happens um, if some, if our son breaks his arm and we don't have health insurance, um, 
we do currently have a very odd form of health insurance that's really neat. Um, that's an indemnity plan kind of built for self-employed people. But as a single member LLC, a one person company, they cannot get business health insurance. You are not considered a business to health insurance company unless you are two or more and you cannot be married to the other person. So me and my husband cannot go pursue business insurance, even if we were willing to pay full price for it. And then you go look at it and we can't afford it. You go to the healthcare sharing platform and we make too much money to get any of the discounts. But we can't afford $1,500 or $1,600 or $1,700 a month for the health insurance and it still be crappy and um, pay for childcare. It, it, we, have, we have stacked the ability for people to be innovative, to start new businesses and be successful against them. And it, small business is the foundation uh, and the lifeblood of our economy. And it is imp- vital to even our identity as America. And yet we continue to hinder it by not having programs that actually support small businesses. I pay, you know, more in taxes as a, a sole proprietor. I, um, can't get health insurance. I mean, there's like, just like there's thing after thing that we could be doing that would support more people starting small businesses. Um, And part of the reason why I think that there will be a shift back to employment is eventually some of these barriers, if not solved. And I think that they, that big companies don't have any desire to solve them for small businesses because they want us to be employees. And so it's just this like vicious cycle that we are actually shooting our economy and our innovation and our progression as a country in the foot by not providing things to people that would allow them to go take chances and be more innovative. If you, Trent, didn't have to worry about providing those those basic things for your family, you might not feel so risk adverse. Um, and it might not feel like such a big leap of faith if you knew that your family was still covered if something bad happened. And, um, and so it's just something I'm really passionate about, um, would be solving health insurance for single, the gig economy for small businesses that even when small businesses start adding employees, that they're not the ones bearing the burden 100% of that health insurance for those small business, for those employees. We make it so hard for someone that is small to grow and scale um, right now. And I would change that. I don't think there's anything controversial about what you said. I think like everything else, the only reason why we, 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 we preference it by saying, okay, well this, some people think this is political is because, people make it that it doesn't have to be you just made a rational argument <laughs> about why this is a barrier to entry for so many people um but right yeah but we've know. made what is standard in all other major company countries somehow seem like it is absurd to sure. have and i just uh, it's the same as is maternity leave um paid maternity leave uh we are at a point in our economy where 
we as a country cannot afford to have women not work. We can barely fill the workforce as it is with, with you know, the, major, the majority of women working. Um, and so we need women to work. I mean, our economy literally crumbles without women working and children being born. And so why there's like some disconnect as to why women need to take six weeks to heal their body, preferably 12 weeks. But like the fact that we can't even get to like six weeks when a daycare will take the kid because you can't leave a child, you can't take a child to a daycare until six weeks. Like I don't, like it doesn't compute as to why people don't understand how like we continue to shoot our economy in the foot by not solving this. And we're really just hurting, you know, these children and women. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any darn sense. Yeah. I, and I wholeheartedly agree to say nothing. Of the fact that like, it is incredibly important for the health and well being and development of a child to have mom there <laughs> in those early weeks in those yes. early months, dad too, you know, but, but moms are pretty important, pretty important to kids, pretty important to the economy. I think you summed it up there. Allie Puckett, thank you so much for, for teaching me a thing or two. I, today I learned, today I learned about venture capital, angel investors, the importance of healthcare and maternity leave and that you, in some small way at least, have put something into space. Oh, my fingerprints are in space. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Very few people could say that. So, <laughs> well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today on Among Other Things. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me and letting me go on my rants. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>